I'm a grandparent like you, and um, well, for those of you who are grandparents, and I also um, know that um, as a grandparent, there's a special connection that we have with our grandchildren. Somebody explained it to me once that um, um, being a grandparent is the reward that you get for bringing up your own kids and not doing them any harm or damage when they're growing up. It's like a reward. And one grandparent I know had a bumper sticker once that said, if I knew what fun grandkids were, I would have had them first. Um, I'm not quite sure how that works. But Grandparents' Day is much more than just physical Grandparents' Day. Um, as most of us do, I looked up Dr Google to find out what Grandparents' Day really was. Um, Queensland was the first state in Australia to officially recognise Grandparents' Day, only in 2010. And um, this is what it said from Dr Google. Grandparents' Day is a special occasion that celebrates, and this is the list, grandparents, grandfriends, relatives, and those who generally take the role of a grandparent within their family or community. It's a beautiful time to celebrate those older members of the family for all they do. And I think that's pretty good because Grandparents' Day is about celebrating a generation of those of us who have been on this planet for a while and are making a valuable contribution um, to our families, to our community and to our church. And these sorts of occasions really fit in with us as a church as well because we talk about our five key values and two of them relate very much to what we're doing this morning. One is our value of family. Um, we believe that the church is more than a place, it's a family where we find our true sense of belonging. And occasions like today where the whole family are together um, are part of that value. And the other thing we value is diversity. And that, by that we say that we don't all look the same, but we celebrate our diversity. And um, the wonderful thing about this church is that we're a church for every generation. And I love the way that our generations interact here as well. And so as I was thinking about what word to bring, I was led fairly clearly to a passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, and in 2 Timothy chapter 2, um, there is a, um, a picture of the generations um, of Christians who are helping people to grow in their faith. And Timothy himself is interesting because Paul, who is the writer of this letter, um, he talks about Timothy's physical family um, he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, I am a reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that now lives in you also. So it honours the role that we have as grandparents into the lives of our grandchildren and our children growing up. But it also talks in this passage about spiritual generations, and you will see as we go through here that um, Paul is writing and he talks about Timothy as being his son and then he's encouraging Timothy to pass on what he's learnt to others who will be able to pass it on, which is the very thing that we're celebrating on Grandparents' Day today. Let's read from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. You then, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, 
entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. And what we find here is that Paul is writing, and you get this picture of the generations. Here's Paul, who is a faithful follower of God, and sees Timothy as his son, and so he has passed on so much to Timothy. And then we see that Timothy is then encouraged to pass on to the next generation spiritually by finding reliable and trustworthy people to whom he can share what he has learnt. And I think there's a wonderful picture there as we think about grandparents. They thought, all of us, whether we are grandparents, parents, members of the church, members of the community, thinking about how it is that we pass on values and significance to those who follow us. Now let me be honest and say that um, it's not only the things we pass on intentionally, but often there are things that we pass on unintentionally. And I remember a little story which illustrates my point. It was a, a young couple who were getting married and they went to the pastor and they had their pre-marriage counselling. And the groom remembered one thing that the pastor said. He said this, he said, when you get married, you will discover that your wife is quite different to what you think she is now. And there is a likelihood that she might do things quite differently and some things you will think are even strange. And when you get to that point, be very careful how you talk to her about those things. And so the guy and the lady got married. They, they had a wonderful wedding. They really enjoyed each, each other's company. But about six months down the track, the groom started thinking to himself, well, you know, there's one thing that my wife does that I just cannot understand. And he thought to it, he said, when she cooks a roast meat, she very carefully puts it on the table, cuts it in half and cooks it in two parts. But I remember what the pastor said, and I've got to be very careful, but the curiosity got to him and he said one day, dear, you know that I love you. And I wouldn't want to raise anything that would cause any concern, but I have a question about the way you cook the roast. And she got a bit defensive and said, what about the way I cook the roast? And he said, well, it's not about the way you cook the roast because it's delicious, but why is it that when you cook the roast, you cut it in half before you cook it? And so she said, well, you know, cooking roast, there's an art to it and things like that. And she says, and when it comes to cutting the roast in half, well, you know what? That's the way my mother used to do it. And so the husband said, oh, okay, that's fair enough. But he had this curiosity. And so after another six months, you've got to be even more careful what you talk to your mother-in-law about in terms of strange practices. He got up the courage to say, mother dear, why is it when you cook a roast that you cut it in half? And she went on about how, well, you know, she developed the art of cooking roasts and that was very good. And he said, yeah, I know it's delicious, but why do you cut it in half? And she said, well, you know what? That's the way my mother used to do it. 
grandma was 90 years of old, really with it in the head and um, in, a, in a retirement home. And so he thought, I'm going to tackle this. I'm going to go and see grandma. Dear grandma, he said, why is it that you cut the roast in half when you cook it? And she said, oh, that's simple. She said, when we first got married, we only had one very small pan. And you couldn't cook the whole roast in the pan, so you cut it in half, and then you could cook it in two parts. Oh, he said, is that all that it is? Um, you know, there are things that we pass on unintentionally, things that we do, things that we say, expressions that we have. But this morning, I want us to focus on the things that we should think about and pass on intentionally to the generations that follow us. And I think that's what Paul was saying in this passage. Um, Paul, in verse 2, is saying to Timothy, And the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And Paul is saying the things which are important and the things that I want you to think about are the things that I want you to very carefully pass on to the next generation. And not only pass on to the next generation, but equip them to keep on passing on that legacy of those values. The passage actually has um, the last verse, verse 7, is a very special verse to me um, because for many years I worked at the Baptist College as the coordinator of field education and my job was to help students to go out to churches and to learn from their experiences. And this was my theme verse for being a field education director. It says, reflect on what I'm saying for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. It says, reflect and think about what's happening and then God will help you to understand what it is that you need to pass on. When we look at this passage, what are the things that Paul is asking Timothy to reflect on? Well, in between verse 2 and verse 7, Paul writes or, or draws three word pictures. These are the very things that Paul is saying to Timothy, reflect on this and understand the values of what it means to be a follower of God. And the three pictures are, um, the first one is the picture of a soldier. The second one is a picture of an athlete. And the third one is a picture of a farmer. And so let's have a look at those three pictures and I've got some unusual drawings, don't get distracted by my lack of artwork, um, but the idea of a picture is something that you don't just learn off by heart, you think about and understand. And so let's talk about what's the value that Paul is trying to communicate when he draws the picture of the soldier. Well, the verse says this in verse 3, Join me with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. At the core of this picture is the role that followers of Jesus are called to take up, and that is like a soldier. Um, it's to be prepared to endure, um, to be loyal to your commanding officer, to be focused on the task that God is calling you to. And the Bible makes it clear that um, when we follow Jesus, it's not the passport to ease and leisure, um, that we are called to be part of God's army. 
And Jesus himself said to people who were talking about following him, if anyone would come after me, not that it will be easy, but he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. What does it mean to have the values of being a soldier for Jesus Christ that we want to pass on to our children and our grandchildren, to the following generations? Well, I think with pictures, it takes a little while to think about it. How does it interact with my understanding? For me, um, when I hear that picture of the soldier, I think of my own childhood growing up. Um, when I was growing up, my, my mum and my dad had lived in England during the Second World War. Um, not only had they lived in England, but you've got to imagine that between London and Europe, that's where a lot of the planes went over, so they lived under the Battle of Britain. Um, they had um, lots of experiences of these um, petrol bombs, they called them doodle bugs, that would um, have petrol engines and then they would drop and they would destroy anything underneath. And, and these things were dropping in the villages that they lived in. Um, they would go to school with their gas masks and they would tell stories about what it was like to be in that war. Um, the people in Britain came of age during that time um, because they learnt to pull together. They learnt to keep going rather than to give up. Um, they used to say things like, you know, when things were going poorly, well, there's a war on, you know, and let's keep going. Let's, let's keep calm, let's keep true to what we're doing. And they had a, a very vocal leader in the person of um, Winston Churchill, and they would listen to him and he would make these amazing speeches. You know, we'll fight on the beaches, we'll fight in the sands, we will not give up. And one of his most famous quotes is, never, never, never give up. So how does this picture relate to what we share with our following generations and for ourselves as well about being a follower of Jesus? Well, Jesus tells us to be prepared to pay the cost and to endure the hardship that comes from being a follower of him. And we are called to teach faithfully God's word in a world where there might be all sorts of opposition and people who really want to distract us from doing that. We live in a world and our children are growing up and our grandchildren where there are many voices trying to get their attention, whether it's through media, whether it's through television or wherever it is. And we, as a Christian community, need to be letting them hear the voice of God. How exciting to have all the kids here praising God, worshipping God. Um, this is something that we need to pass on as a generation that's coming. We don't have to go very far to find people who were followers of God and then retreated back. This is reminding us that we're in for the journey. Paul would say, reflect on that picture about being a soldier for Christ. And then the second picture. The second picture is that of the athlete. And it says in verse 5, similarly, Anyone who competes on a, on, as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. And what they're really talking about here is that sometimes with athletes, we actually see their performance and we think that's really wonderful. Watch the Olympic Games and see them run 100 metres. But Paul is saying the athlete's life revolves around his commitment to discipline, to training, 
to being committed for a goal by doing the hard work that's involved. And Paul loved this picture. In, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we read, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Or 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and following, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. Now I beat my body and make it my slave, so after that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You see, in the passage, the emphasis is that there is a value and commitment and discipline and being trained. Um, that's what kids' church is about. That's what youth group is about. Um, Dave, Pastor Dave put it so good, didn't he? He said, there's a lot of discipling that's going on. It's not just babysitting or entertaining and whatever. Um, notice that the, the emphasis is not on the prize, the emphasis is on the training and the commitment, um, the things that we're required to do. And a little, little word to those of us who are grandparents. Um, sometimes we can think, well, I've done my training years ago and now I'm going to just coast in the, the art of um, the things that I've done. But it seems to me that if we're called to be an athlete, we continue to need to be developing and training. Let me tell you a little example from a long time ago when my son Phil was about um, 10 or 11 or 12. He used to go to swimming club and learn how to swim. And um, he used to go training about three times a week. And one day I took him down to the pool and he said, hey, Dad, um, how about we have a race in the pool? Now, you know what we're like as granddads. Well, I used to be able to swim a bit. He's only a little kid. I could easily beat him, eh? So, oh, yeah, I'll be on for that. Let's, let's have this swim. And so I can remember standing up there at the edge of the pool to dive in. And so I'm thinking, oh, I'll go easy on him and whatever. And anyway, so I jump in, but I didn't want to lose, did I? So I swam really frantically and I was ahead for about two metres. And he just powers past me doing the correct kick and whatever. And I'm floundering there and I never raced him again. Um, <laughs> I was humbled but I wasn't doing the training that was required to do the task. So God says to us, even as grandparents, we're not coasting. God's still got job for us to do. We need to continue to train and be equipped. The third picture in verse 6 is that of the farmer. It says, the hardworking farmer should be first to receive a share of the crops. Here's a little observation. Um, soldiers often get a lot of... Um, hero acknowledgement especially if they fight well athletes when they win the prize they get a lot of acknowledgement dear farmers there's not many hero farmers in our culture or society is there and yet the farmers are the very backbone of the way that we live life the food that we eat and here Paul is saying that the hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops now I admit, I grew up as a city boy, but I was greatly blessed to marry a country girl. 
and certainly in the earlier days of our, uh, our marriage, um, we spent a fair bit of time up around Gatton where some of the family farms and some of the relatives were having farms. Farming was not an easy job. We would go out there and there would be drought and so they couldn't produce a crop. Next year we'd go out and there'd be floods and they couldn't produce a crop. Um, and its uncle, I think three years in a row, had bad hailstorms that wiped out his vineyards. Um, one year we went up there and it was just a beautiful crop and, and its uncle said, but it's not worth picking because there's a glut on the market and it costs more to pick than to sell. And then sometimes there was a season where everything worked. The price was good, the climate was good, and there was a harvest and there was a reward. And I think as Paul is writing to Timothy, he's saying that this is what we've got to pass on too, that being part of the church is about being committed for the long term. It's about perseverance. It's about hanging in there because there will be all sorts of seasons, but being faithful and seeing it through where we'll see how God will work in different ways. I can remember um, a, a little joke that said something about a man dug a hole and he was told it wasn't deep enough, so he went and dug three more. Um, the, the, the thing about that is that he needed to dig down deeper in his hole where he's at. And I just wonder sometimes, even in our society, that we become a bit consumeristic. And even with church and coming together with God's people, it's sometimes like we come to a church and we like some things about it, so we think this is good. As soon as some things become hard and difficult, we think there must be a better church somewhere else, so I'll go there. And so by the time we've added it up, we've been to half a dozen churches and we stay for shorter and shorter periods of time because there's no perfect church. And yet God is saying, no, look, you need to hang in where I've placed you because when, when I bless, then you are the people who should actually get the first fruit from that. And um, I know there are times when God clearly leads us to different places. I know Annette and I, um, in the time that we've lived in Pine Rivers, we spent 19 years at the first church we were part at and 16 at the second, and then God led us here clearly. Um, but... There is a tremendous value in staying through the hard times as well as the good times. You see kids grow up into young men and young women. You see people who God transforms their lives. And for those of us who are grandparents, we have a special connection because these people have known us all their growing up life. Paul says that we should be like the farmer. So this today on Grandparents' Day, we want to honour grandparents we want to say that our physical grandparents, um, our grandchildren are a blessing to us. But it's far more than that. There's a whole generation of us who are grand friends or grand um, parents in a, a wider community sense. We want to be a church where um, that generation is both honoured, but we also want to be blessed by that generation as we see what God is doing amongst us. And you've only got to look at the kids and the children and the young people in this church. Um, as grandparents, we need to continue to pass on that value. And so I just want to finish with the words of Paul, verse 7. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. I'm going to pray, ask the band to come back up and lead us in the last songs. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for those who have invested in our lives, our physical 
family, but also um, a spiritual sense, Lord, um, those who've invested in our lives and been examples for us. Thank you for the values, Lord, that you um, give us to pass on from generation to generation. And Father, we pray that you be with us this day in Jesus' name. Amen.